0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Former head of Canada's spy agency is warning that this country is resting too heavily on its laurels at a time of rising global threats and upheaval. Uh, including dysfunction among its Western allies and the emergence of China and Russia as aggressive adversaries. Uh, Richard Fadden, former director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Services and National Security Advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau, says Canada needs to take a hard look at itself to ensure it is ready to face the new reality. Uh, that includes recognizing its adversaries and drawing clear limits over what it will put up with in front of them, ex- uh, accepting that the United States is not about to resume its traditional leadership role and rallying its Western allies to face these threats in a unified way. To talk more about all of this, David Harris is with us in Cygnus St- uh, Strategic Group. He is a terrorism expert and is with us now. David, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Hey, a pleasure to speak to you, Scott. Uh, talk a little bit about, and, and as the uh, uh, the former National Security Advisor says, uh, the U.S.'s role in all of this. How has the U.S.'s position changed and affected the rest of us?
1: Well, we've seen, of course, uh, since the Cold War, the transition of the international system, especially the military defense system, from a bipolar situation where you had two dominant uh, superpowers, the Soviet Union and the United States, to the unipolar arrangement that uh, had come to dominate a lot of the period after the Cold War, where the United States uh, had uh, really unchallenged primacy in military terms. Now we have moved into a situation where, as some describe it, it's multipolar. In other words, several countries, and in particular, as you've said, China and Russia, competing with the United States for the position of a lead country, in uh, these kinds of regards and there are other countries besides but china alone as we know threatens in uh, military and economic terms to surpass the standing and potency of the united states within the relatively foreseeable future so all of that means a gigantic shift Um, in fact it's a situation that is uh, world historical in its own way because uh, at the time you'll remember after the uh, Second World War, we saw the British Empire, which of course had uh, seen to the security of the seas, international commerce, uh, a great source of defense, um, had itself been dominant. And it was more or less replaced soon after the Second World War by the uh, U.S., another democratic country for you know, warts and all. Uh, but now there is this really quite frightening risk. That this great democracy upon which we have absolutely relied in economic, military, and other terms, the United States, may fall into the shadows. And the kinds of threats that the U.S. and therefore the rest of us will be facing, in their own way, go so far beyond anything we have ever seen and that our forebears have ever dreamt of that it is incredible. And let me specifically note, as I think. Former CSIS director Fadden uh, mentioned the whole question of artificial intelligence. When you talk to people who are very knowledgeable in this area, and I'm certainly not one of them, uh, what you quickly get is an indication that, again, in military and other dominance terms, the first past the post with a certain, shall we say, critical mass of mastery of artificial intelligence may come to dominate, for the foreseeable future, and in our terms, perhaps forever, all other humanity on the planet. It sounds, of course, like the ravings of hysterics, but if you consider the intrinsic power of artificial intelligence, the fact that you can, in effect, own all of the means of communication And the ways in which we and our fellow humans think and the issues they think about, then you begin to see how the likes of Hitler or Stalin could only have drooled over these possibilities, not even have dreamt of them. And that is to say nothing of the staggering military budgets that are being invested in, most notably by China, but as well by Russia. And then, of course, there are other associated powers or powers that might be prepared to associate themselves with a Russia or a China if and when they perceive that a regime like China may be coming to the fore as the future dominating country. They want to be with a winner and may be terrified of being associated with a loser. We've seen some of this kind of dynamic situation, of course, in the Pacific area where the Philippine government at one point seemed to be making nice in the most disturbing of ways with China and perhaps being accommodating of some of China's more imperialistic tendencies through its more muscular uh, military power. And China, as well, as we know, has got the Belt and Road Initiative, developing a whole series of bases, military bases of the kind that perhaps the old imperial powers might have had, might have dreamt of. But uh, that now would probably be well beyond the reach of the United States merely economically, you know, to say nothing of uh, certain other aspects.
0: Uh, Donald Trump, we certainly know how he governs. It's all about making America great again. He's He's looking inward, he's not looking outward beyond his borders. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, there's quite an ego there. Does he not want to does he not want America to hold on to that position? as superpower does he not realize that if he if he steps aside that others will fill the vacuum
1: yes it's very difficult to know what exactly transpires in anyone's mind but the upshot is as you know what really counts and that upshot is looking like a material hazard to the security of the free world including canada because the extent to which the U.S., again, is the dominant Western democratic interest in the world, signals that it will not stand up against certain adversaries, uh, and that it will embrace what used to be known, especially in the 1930s, in the pre-Hitler war days, as isolationism, is te- telegraphing a message to enemies and friends yeah. that they would have to look after themselves. And that uh, and that this kind of approach of isolationism may actually have the reverse effect from what many people think it will have. Uh, many people, I think, perhaps mislead themselves into imagining that if the U.S. were to get into a withdrawal mode, that peace will unfold in this world. And instead, I strongly imagine that it will actually embolden adversaries, uh, including the adversaries of some of our friends, <laughs> including our own to uh, take more aggressive approaches to things and you know this is this is a very difficult thing it is always surprising because at least to me and maybe I'm a bit simplistic in my thinking but i always thought that once the average citizen had reached the heady educational heights of a grade 3 playground, (laughs) they had figured out that there were bullies and sometimes bullies had to be dealt with and there were deterrent signals that could be useful in deterring bullies and in the absence of which you could all but invite the kinds of disruption and violence that we've seen so often in the world. Now a world that is more fraught than ever, Not merely, of course, with the possibilities of artificial intelligence, but of nuclear weapons and a variety of other weapons of mass destruction.
0: You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. So how does this affect Canada? Is Canada just waiting for America to step up despite the language, just assuming that they will?
1: I I fear that uh, we Canadians, through extensive conditioning, and though we, of course, have made some signal contributions militarily in various struggles in the post-World War II period, we've also had profound conditioning to imagine that we will be taken care of in military terms, our security will be assured, and that by the United States of America, or to put it more crudely, by the taxpayer of the United States of America, which is meant for all kinds of ironies and paradoxes, including the uh, relaxed way in which we have grown to think that we are at luxury to chew on, the, on Uncle Sam's ankle every now and then when we feel he hasn't quite performed to our standards. Uh, and so uh, ignoring perhaps the fact that in certain respects, maybe American health care hasn't been a bad example. Um, there may be a reason why their health care traditionally hasn't been as comprehensive as ours, because they've been busy paying for our defense and, and the European defense. Well, now we've got a kind of comeuppance with uh, the, Trudeau, the Trump administration saying this is at an end. Everybody's going to have to make uh, out for themselves. Again, it may be an entirely valid, in fact, long-delayed position to take. That,
0: that's my next question. Here is that: Does does Trump have a point here? Does everybody need to step up, David?
1: Oh yes, and I think it's been the case for many years. But we've all been able to be quasi-free riders, uh, so you know, living off the American taxpayer, and rather enjoyed it. But uh, suddenly, again, you have somebody who not always in the most appetizing of ways uh, is now reintroducing us to that uh, troubling uh, phenomenon called reality, the idea that uh, you will someday run out of other people's money. And uh, it seems to be the perception of the uh, Trump administration and maybe a good deal of the U.S. public that uh, that's where things have led. Uh, What they may not fully appreciate, needless to say, is that These messages are received in all their manifold splendor by our enemies, Hmm. and the enemies may start to see an opportunity in this kind of thing, which then ultimately can drag us all, if you look at this crassly again without emphasizing the enormous, maybe world-historic levels of bloodletting that can result, uh, can result in immense economic difficulties that we could have forestalled had we just made suitable investments in a timely way and in a way that would deter any adverse interest.
0: Are these discussions being had at senior, senior levels of the Trump administration or, or even within uh, the Senate or, or the House? Uh, or, are they spending too much time focusing on the trial and tri- trials and tribulations of Donald Trump?
1: Well, it does appear, as today's news suggests, that the theatrics goes on in relation to this impeachment activity, but uh, above and beyond that, it is an intriguing question, isn't it, as to the extent to which this has been, as the officials might say, uh, staff worked. Uh, In other words, the extent to which... Policy in the Trumpian direction has been rationally developed. Again, there are excellent reasons why one might come to the positions the president has come to. But has he come to these? Has the U.S. government come to these all-important decisions through a fairly rational, well-thought-out, comprehensive and coordinated policy? Or is there a quality of impulse to this that can get in the way of realizing it all in a constructive manner?
0: Is the world busy waiting for a new president as opposed to coming up with alternative solutions if he stays in power?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, it would be so fascinating to go inside the councils of various governments from China to, dare I say, Canada to figure out whether these various governments might be calculating for different reasons on what they might do if um, they anticipated a uh, change in administration uh, in the next U.S. federal election, uh, sh- should they, the foreign governments hold back and friendly governments hold back uh, in suggesting things that might antagonize the president as a personality, or uh, should they proceed anyway? It's uh, part of the calculation, I guess, in the grand strategy of uh, international affairs and governments.
0: Do you think it will take another attack of some sort before people refocus on this?
1: Uh, by that, do you mean a terrorist attack? Or... Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's it's so difficult uh, when dealing, and I don't mean to be racist, but when dealing with that very, very unreliable race known as uh, the human race, to really be able to come to grips with various things because uh, as psychologists tell us and have long told us, we have quite an impressive capacity for self-deception, especially where the alternative would be anxiety and the kind of anxiety that would derive from a realistic appraisal of the kind of planet we're living on and maybe the kind of people we all are as uh, inheritors, shall we say, of uh, the larger mammalian experience. I mean, we're not a very pretty animal, as you can see when police go on strike in a town or city. Uh, things evolve and emerge. So the the question is: I mean, our capacity to deny what is before our eyes, as I think Orwell once put it, is significant. And the sorts of things that you and I have been discussing are generally really quite upsetting and very upsetting if you think of the full implications. Uh, will that prevent us? from coming to grips with things? And will it establish yet another incentive for our political leadership of all stripes to taking into account what they need to do to keep themselves in government, continue to make soothing noises about togetherness and all the rest in order to keep us in a good mood and uh, inclined to support the uh, most uh, dreamy of uh, potential representatives of the people?
0: How frightening is it to you that Donald Trump doesn't seem to have the capacity to understand this?
1: Um, It's difficult to know what capacity he has, and I I don't know that he doesn't understand certain things. Um, Is there some kind of calculation, not unknown to the political animal, that uh, you, for example, declare that you're not in the business of wars or forever wars, as the misleading term has it, at least up till the day you've won the next election, and then perhaps you want to start resolving some things with a heavier hand. But but is that, in fact, what's on his mind, or what he might intend to do, to come to grips with reality? I have no way of knowing, and it's a a very difficult thing to anticipate,
0: isn't it? So, uh, considering this new reality, what should Canada be doing? I think Mr. Fadden,
1: the former cease director, probably was uh, on the right track. he was trying and as far as I could tell as restrained uh, in as restrained a way as he uh, responsibly could again, presumably because he knows he don't he doesn't dare alarm the uh, yeah. the the good people right um to to awaken us and uh, I mean, he was talking about, of course, the conventionally understood strategic threats of China and so on. He, remember, years ago played a significant role in alerting us to the fact that he saw it that uh, China was infiltrating Canada and Canadian interests and in Canadian politics, in part through some of the immigration shifts and uh, the Beijing government's. Levering uh, perfectly innocent and well-meaning Chinese expatriates into cooperating in some form or other, but in many other ways as well. And uh, then beyond that, you've got uh, the whole terrorism issue, which uh, politicians, again, will be reasonably happy um, to pretend doesn't exist in as severe a form as it may well. So uh, you've got all of these issues of infiltration, penetration, you've got the strategic threats, And it's not at all clear that we have been making the kinds of financial investments or even offering the sorts of preparatory lessons to us as citizens to educate us about the full reality that we do face. So that we're not surprised and not rendered hysterical if and when some outrage, terrorist or otherwise, occurs, and that we're prepared ahead of time to make the kind of provision, whether economic, financial, or even in the adjusting of our laws, to deal in a responsible way with whatever has come and will come.
0: David Harris has been with us in Cigna Strategic Group. He is a terrorism expert. The former head of CSIS says that Canada needs to do more to be prepared when it comes to threats and not rely on old allies as in the United States. David, thank you so much for the time and insight. As always, much appreciated.
1: Thanks a lot, Scott. Always good talking
0: to you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.